0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Let's just say here after church you go back home and when you get home, there's a thief in your house. Now here's the question arises, does that thief own your house or is he just in your house? Well, he's just in there and so if he's in there, he's going to influence with what's going on in your life and my life. And so understand that anytime time I open the door to the devil, he's going to begin to influence my life. Now, this is the passage of the prodigal son. Begin with me, Luke 15, verse number 11. And I'm going to make four major points today, so let's get going and we'll find the first one here in just a second. Then he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. Give it to me. And so, just right here alone, there's a little bit of sense of arrogance or rebellion in this son. As if he's saying, give it to me, Father God, like right now I want. Now, understand this, that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, children obey your father and mother. Honor them. Which is the first commandment with promise. That it will be well with you and long on this earth. So this young man right here, because the way he's dishonoring his father, he's on the verge of his life not be going well with him. None of us are exempt from this. Understand, when I obey what God tells me to do, there's blessings. But if you open the door up to this and you dishonor your parents or disobey your mother and father, get ready. It's not going to be well with you, okay? Thank you for that excitement, that agreement. All right, so he says, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now the word prodigal there literally means wasteful. The message says... He lived with wild parties. Now, every one of us in this room, we can choose to live that way, but understand if I choose to live that way, there's going to be consequences of that. So understand this also. That if you choose to live that way, you've now opened the door up to the devil in your life. And when I open the door up to the devil in my life, he's going to take advantage of you. Don't care who you are. And so even in this situation... This young man, he chose to do this. So we pick up 14. But when he had spent all there and arose a severe famine in the land, he began to be in want or need. Then he went in and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the, the, the pigs. Now, I want to highlight this real quick here because you see that this young man... His definition of freedom was, I want to live wild. I want to do what I want to do. And in his eyes, that was freedom. Now, this may locate some of you where you're at right now. Most of us in here that are older, we can probably think back to when we were 17 and 18. And our definition of freedom was, I can't wait to leave my parents' house. That way, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to eat what I want to. I'm going to watch what I want to. I'm going to come and go as I please. And see, at that age, that's our definition of freedom. But that's not what freedom is. Real freedom is when I live by the Word of God. And when I live by the Word of God, I can't view the Word of God as a bunch of rules. The Word of God, when you obey it, it's going to bring joy. It's going to bring peace. But every one of us in in life, we need some structure. The world is not your structure. So this young man, his life begins to spiral out of control. He's going down rapidly. Number one, he spent everything he's got. Number two, as a a Hebrew or a Jew, this was a no-no to work for a Gentile. But he's so low, he's working for a Gentile. Number two, it's a no-no for the Jews to have anything to do with pigs, to touch pigs or even feed the pigs. But look what happens in verse 16. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate or the pigs ate, and no one gave it anything. This is about as low as they could go for this, this Jewish boy to not only touch the pigs, but to eat what the pigs had touched. And so you begin to see what ultimately happens here because of his definition of freedom. He's in bad shape. And I believe right here this becomes a warning to us and many of us in this room that if I don't begin to to look at my life where I'm at, I'm going to go to the bottom of the barrel. And when you go to the bottom of the barrel, you're going to cause pain and you're going to cause sorrow not only to yourself but to your family members. I've been there. I wish when I was younger, I would have heeded the word of God and what people spoke to me. You know, you're either going to learn one of two ways. You're going to learn by wisdom through the word of God, or you're going to learn the hard way. I learned the hard way. And this is what's exactly happening right here to this young man. So look what takes place in verse 17. But when he came to himself... One translation says, when he came to his senses, when he woke up. And so right here is the first point of the day. When he came to his senses, he realized, I need help. And it's very important that when we need help, we admit we need help. And that's even to Father God, where you stand before him and say, Father God, I need help. My life is out of control. And so this young man, in my opinion, who's at the bottom of the barrel, he's now on the right path. You know why? Because he's calling out, I need help. So it says, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. And so even reading in this, there's many people, there's many believers that are living in the pig pens right now. We don't have to, but the first key is, if you don't ever admit that you have problems and you need help, you're probably not going to walk in freedom or victory. And it takes great men and women to stand up and say, you know what, I need help. But that's a good thing. That's the first point. Keep reading, verse 18. I will arise and go to my father. Now look what he says there, and and in this passage he uses the reference to I over and over. When I read him saying, I will arise and go to my Father, he's taking responsibility for his life, for his actions. And he said, I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. Now if you'll note there, not only does he take responsibility for it, he said, Father, I've sinned. He didn't try to blame other people in his life. Well, you know what? If my dad would have just done this or that. If my mom would have done this or that. If my siblings wouldn't have done that. If that teacher wouldn't have done that. If that coach wouldn't have done that. If my first boss wouldn't have done it. See, as long as I live in that state of if, it's as if I'm always blaming somebody. And right here, he doesn't blame anybody. He steps up to the plate and he says, I've sinned. Now, do you know when you confess to Father God, you can confess your sins, but still not repent of them? In other words, for me to confess my sins, I can stand here today and tell you, I've done this wrong and I've done that wrong, but I never step out to Father God and say, and I was wrong, and I ask you to forgive me the very things I've done. See, part of the word of repentance in the Greek comes from a word called meta. This is where we get our word metamorphosis. The word meadow means there needs to be a change in the way I act, the way I see myself, and even the way I view God. So when we, get, we, when we confess our sins and I repent, man, I need to change the way I think. Remember, every stronghold begins in the mind. Now look at verse 18 at the end here. Man, there's a nugget in here that I came across the other day. Look at this. He said, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now what got me there was when he said and. He said, I've sinned against heaven. Who would that be? Before Father God. He acknowledges he sinned before Father God, but he said, and but you. And so the but you there he's talking about is his earthly father. Now, listen what the New Living says here. I've sinned against both heaven and you. And so, not only did he repent in front of Father God, but he goes to another human being. And he said, This is what I've done. Now, do you want to see the importance of that? Keep your finger right there and go with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and, and you guys who are back there, can you pull that up with me on the message translation? I'm going to read it out of the new, li- or the, uh, the new King James, but I want you to see this in the message. Now listen real close. This is James 5, verse 16. This is going to bring, bring some freedom to some of you right here. Confess your trespasses or your sins to one another. Actually, that's exactly what that young man did. It says, confess your sins to one another. Why is that so significant? Because the devil operates in darkness and he understands anything that we keep hidden in our life, they'll never bring light to it. But when I confess it not only to Father God, but I confess it to other people, it's no longer in the darkness. Look at this. In the, in, can you pull up the message? Make this your common practice. Did you get that? Your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and to be reckoned with. And so when he talks about this, part of living right with God is when I come before another human being and I say, man, this is what I've done wrong. Now, in order to do that, you know what that takes? That takes great humility. But something begins to happen anytime I begin to do that. And I believe this is what the prodigal son tapped into. Not only did he confess and ask God, but he went to other people. Now I've read story after story and there was a man who was having sickness in his body. Over and over. And the Lord dealt with him about repenting of some things in his life to his wife. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, because if I do that, there could be consequences. And the Lord said to him, if you don't do that, I cannot heal you. And so this man, one night before he goes to bed, he said, Lord, if you want me to repent to my wife, ask her to ask me some questions about things. He said, right before he fell asleep, his wife leaned over and said, I hear you continue to cough. Is there something in your life you need to repent to me for? He knew right then, oh, no. And he became a man, though, and he stepped out and said, Yeah, there are some things. And when he got out and began to confess his sin, even to his wife, he said, Instantly, my body lined back up. Something happens with this. A great reference of that is John 3, verses 20 and 21. Go back with me to the book of Luke, chapter 15. So the first thing you do, you admit it. Number two, you repent of it. Now, you know there's a teaching that's been going on in America and it's, it's uh, called grace repenting. I believe in grace and I believe you can repent with grace. But in this teaching it says that you only need to repent one time and you're done. That's absurd. That's crazy. I mean, think of about this, that with New Year's approaching, many of us in this room will have a New Year's resolution and we'll say, you know what? I'm going to exercise this year. And so January 1, man, you go out and you work out as hard as you can for three straight hours, and then you look and say, man, thank God that's done for a whole year. Now that's a great thought, but there's no reality to that. And so what happens, even when I work out, I run, I swim, I bicycle, you're getting cardio for your heart. Every time you do that, your physical heart is getting stronger. But every time I repent, it's if it's spiritual cardio. And my heart gets stronger and stronger and stronger because I get all that junk out. You know, Jesus himself said to the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3, to five of them, five of the seven, he said, Repent. Repent. One of your greatest daily vitamins will be repentance. Just keeps me right with God. So those are the first two. Now, I want to pick up the third one, and we're going to find out here in Luke 15, starting in verse 25. I'm jumping a little. We're going to come back to those other ones here in just a second. Luke 15:25. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What would music and dancing represent? A party, a celebration. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Who was hosting this party? The father was. And did you get something right there? Father was hosting it. And there was music, and there was dancing. So what's that got to do with it? God's not against music and God's not against dancing. You ever seen that right there? I'm not talking about dirty dancing. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Get your mind out of the gutter, all right? But God loves to celebrate. God loves God's a God of partying. And I believe that's big for us. There's times that we've got to celebrate the things of life and God. That's not a point, so we'll keep moving on. So he said he's killed the fatted calf. But the older brother was angry and would not go in. Now, why would he be angry here? I believe part of this is, is the older brother was so mad at the younger one, it was like, he should have to earn it. God, you've made it too easy for him to come back. I don't know about you... I'm glad God made it easy for us to come back. That's big when we see that. But it was as if the older brother was full of self-righteousness and religion was almost like, he ought to have to come and pray every day for three weeks. You shouldn't give him that. Now look what goes on here, and you'll begin to see into this. Therefore his father came out, and he pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, These many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Now what ultimately happens here with this older brother is he believes two lies right here. I believe the third point for every one of us in here is that often me and you believe lies about our own life. And the ways I get away from those lies is I renounce them in the name of Jesus, and I start saying about myself what Father God says. Now, I remember for years in my life, a, a title of mine that I believed was I was a drunk. But God never called me that. And so remember I said earlier, every stronghold starts with a lie, and it starts in your mind. Now look at the two strongholds that this guy believed. The first one he said, he said, I've been serving you and I've never transgressed your commandment. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You know why I say that? Because he comes across religious and self-righteous. When he said, I've never transgressed, You know who he's putting himself with? Jesus. And none of us are like Jesus. And so he began to believe this lie compared to his younger brother. I'm so perfect. You're not even close to perfect, buddy. We're all sinners saved by grace. The second thing he believes is, look at this. And at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make, make merry with my friends. In other words, he was saying, you never treated me as good as you treated my younger brother. And he believed that lie, and it's a lie. How do I know that's a lie? If you, you look at verse 12, where we started, it said, and the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them. Who do you think the them was? The younger brother and the older brother. Now can I tell you a little inside with Jewish tradition? The older brother always got twice as much as the younger. And so here this older brother is. He's believing these lies in his life. But look what Father God says. And I'm going to come back to this, some of these in verse 31. He said, and he said to him, son... You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You know what he was saying to me? It's The same thing he says to me. As long as I'm with Father God and I serve Father God, you know what he's saying? Everything that I have is yours. And God doesn't just have a little bit of everything. God's called the more than enough God. He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And so he, he doesn't have just a little bit for you, but a bunch. he's got a bunch for every one of us. And this is what he tells the son. But the son had to quit believing those lies that he had begun to live. And when you look at this, guys, the older son had never left the father, but he was still in bondage. What kind of bondage? He was eaten up with anger, bitterness, selfishness. And I looked at this, and this is what the Lord began to show me. There's a lot of people within the church. You may have never left the church, but you're full of self-righteousness. You're full of religion. You're better than everybody else because I've lived in the house of God my whole life. But understand this, There's two sons to this story, not just one, there's two. Which one does your life resemble? Do you look like the younger son, who his sin was on the outward? It was very easy to see what he did. We knew he was involved with wild parties. He was involved with drunkenness, and the older brother accused him of spending all his money on harlots. So it's very evident what he did. But oftentimes we're more like the older brother that we come to church and we sing kumbaya and everything's okay on the outside, but on the inside, I'm full of a bunch of junk. And if the truth be known, the older brother was just in as much bondage as the younger brother. Ooh, pastor, you're preaching good. See, it becomes very easy as a believer for years and years of your life to think, Man, I'm so spiritual. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so righteous. I'm so holy. I'm, I'm so much better than Donald. It would be good if Donald could act like me. Man, I'm telling you, that is some bondage. That's some junk. Now, read here in verse 30, because I want you to see this. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now, if you'll look there real close at verse 30, but soon as this son of yours, he wouldn't even call him his own brother. It was like, that little rat doesn't deserve nothing. I want to address some lies here that I believe happens within homes, within families, just within the body of Christ. How many have been here that have siblings Do you have a sibling? Do you think it's the favorite? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Just think about that a minute. See, that's exactly what this older brother was doing. He was accusing the father of you playing favorites, which was a lie. Let's flip that around. How many of you with siblings, your siblings would say you're the favorite. Uh Uh-oh. How about this? And I'm going to answer a bunch of so's right here. I'm the oldest, so I always got to be in control. I'm not the oldest. So, you're dominated by a spirit of control. Well, I'm the youngest. I always get everything I want. So you're dominated by the spirit of selfishness. Well, I'm the middle, so I'm always neglected. I'm an only child, so. I'm a child of many, so. See, this is what the devil begins to do, exactly like he did right here with the older son. He started messing with him, and before long, you start believing all that garbage. But here's the key. When you give your heart to Jesus, and He becomes Lord of your life, every one of us are adopted into the family of God, and God said, I love you, and I don't love you any more than I love her. Every one of us are the same in God's eyes. The issue with mankind is we don't think that's true. How do you know that, Pastor? Just look the way you treat people. Well, he's poor and I'm rich. He's just an old, ugly, white boy. He's just a black and a br- Not in God's eyes. And this was what got the older brother in trouble. Now we've got to go to the last point. Go back up there with me, same chapter. And I'll start in verse 18, and we're going to fill this in here, because this really, really, really gets good. He said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me like one of your hired servants. Now this is the pathway to freedom right here. Remember when we first started this passage in verse 12? He said, give me. Give me, give me, give me. A spirit of entitlement. But right here he doesn't say give me. He said, make me. And you know what the word make me tells me? You're the potter. I'm the clay. And you keep molding me and shaping me, and before long, God will create a masterpiece when I have this mentality. Father God, make me. Make me. And notice here, he said, make me do a great servant. Verse 20. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And this shows me right here. God's patient with every one of us. And God's love for you is constant. God God doesn't look at you like a a titleless golf ball when you're living in sin. He doesn't look like you. Man, I am just ready to knock his head. That's not the way God views us. God loves us. And when you see this passage right here, and it said God had compassion on him and fell on him and kissed him, this was a, a, a young man that had been living in sin. See, a lot of times we have this mentality, I'm going to come back to God when everything in my life is back in order. Now You got it wrong. Come to Him just the way you are. See, this just shows me here God loves football. Because God tackled him. Kissed him. And God God will dogpile you with His love. Verse 21. And as soon as the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Now, when he said this, I'm not worthy of this, it's almost like God cut him off at the pass and was like, shh, shh. And he said, bring out the best robe. He didn't say just a robe. He said the best robe. And when we read 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Isaiah 61.10 says, He's covered me with the robe of righteousness, not self-righteousness, righteousness righteousness through Jesus. Now, understand how this looks like. When I become the righteousness of God in Christ, it's not because of anything I've done. It's not because I've read my Bible 22 straight days. That's a good thing, but that's not qualifies you. What qualifies me is because of what Jesus did. And so because of what Jesus did, he said, I'm going to put this robe of righteousness on you. And so I walk around in right standing with God only because of what Jesus did for me. How do I stay in right standing? Man, if you miss it and you sin, repent. Keep your heart right. Number two, he said, get the ring out. I want to put a good ring on him. You know what the ring symbolizes? Authority. You know what the Lord knew? You can't go through this earth without authority. Where do I get that from? That's Genesis 41. When, when the Pharaoh made Joseph the ruler of over all the land, he said, here, buddy, I'm going to give you my signet ring. And that signet ring meant wherever you go, if they give you any headache or they harass you, just throw that ring up. Poop! there it is. Right there. Right there, I got the power. Where's that found, Pastor? That's Luke 10 19. He said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so he said, Listen, not only do I want to put the robe of righteousness on you, I want to give you authority. And then the last one, he said, I'm going to put some sandals on you. If you studied the sandals in, in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, There was a guy named Boaz who fell in love with Ruth and he wanted to help Ruth and her mother-in-law. But in order to uh, redeem them, there had to be a transaction that took place. And part of the transaction was they would take off their their shoes and they would give sandals. So once the sandals were exchanged, it meant the transaction was exchanged. You know what it said? Redeemed. You've been... Repurchased, and when we get repurchased, just like in Ruth's life, you know what that means—a brand new life, a brand new start. Blessings of God. You know, Psalms one hundred seven uh, two or ten says, "Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." and I'm telling you, we ought to walk around here and start. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. What are we redeemed from, Pastor? According to Galatians three thirteen, I've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and death. The great exchange is now life, health, and blessings. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I walk in divine life, divine health, divine blessings. The key is I got to start learning what I've been redeemed from, and then start getting agreement with it. Amen. Guys, are quiet. You're quiet. And see, as I read this, just as as the father did that for this son, he wants to do it for you and you and you and you and you and you. You know why? Because he wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created every one of us in this room. He's aware of every one of us. He knows you so much, he knows the very hairs on your head. Some of us, he doesn't know very good. We don't have much hair left. Look at verse 32, and we're going to wrap this up. Point four was, he's got a bunch of great gifts to give you. He wants to. Verse 32. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. It was right that we should celebrate. Now listen real close to this. For your brother. He addresses him. Your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and found. Now, If you'll pay attention to that there, he was dead and alive again. You know what this tells me? That before he left on his journey and spent all his prodigal money on wasteful living, he was alive. But because he turned his back on the father, he became dead. But because he came back to the Lord, he became alive again. This wasn't talking about physically. This was talking about spiritually. And when I read this, the celebration was, whoo, he was lost. He's found. He's back again. And, and when you read about this in the Bible, it says that when one sinner gives his life to the, the Lord, the angels in heaven, they erupt. But when one sinner on earth gives his heart to the Lord, the people moan and groan. No, we don't. We're going to get excited. I celebrate the greatest assets we have in life as people. Every one of us. You know what the only cure for America is right now? Not new laws. Jesus. 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 Jesus is what bridges the difference of skin color. I don't know why I'm telling you that. It's just a thought right now. And I believe that needs to be spoken more and more. That's why I love this church. That's why I love to come here on Sunday mornings. I tell you what, if you don't like the diversity of our church, you're not going to like heaven. If you ever thought about heaven they're not going to say oh the blacks are over there the browns are over there i'll tell you what the lord jesus is going to do if if you get to heaven and you're prejudiced and you're white your next door neighbor is going to be a black actually he's going to put you right in the middle of the black neighborhood. <laughs> you know i better have an altar call or i'm going to get really really ornery here once you stand up on your feet thank you for listening to the podcast For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.